0: Well, it's good to be back. I was gone for a couple of weeks on vacation. We had an epic road trip down to uh, Utah and visited some national parks, and it's really good to be back now with you. Uh, And I have been noticing as there are more and more Christmas lights up, more and more Christmas music going on, that that, um, the Christmas season just seems to be getting longer and longer. It's like we, you have back-to-school time and pumpkin spice lattes and football, and then as soon as the Halloween candy has been handed out, then suddenly it's pumpkin mo, uh, peppermint mochas and uh, Christmas lights and Christmas music, right? Just boom, expectation, because we love the Christmas season. Well, one of the things that we see is that we have been anticipating, right? We're building, we have the, the Advent... Um, the Advent wreath that we each week will do a reading and and light a candle as we are waiting for that center candle, the Christ candle, that uh, signifies the coming of Jesus, right? We're we're celebrating that. We, uh, as a church, are doing the Advent blocks. Uh, So if you've gotten a set of Advent blocks, maybe you're a couple of days in with us where uh, the first day was about Adam and Eve, And then the second day was about Noah, and today is the third day, and that's about Abram and Sarah. And what we're trying to do as a church is is give us tools, right? Give you tools for you and your family, and to, as a church, have tools for understanding that the entire Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. The entire Old Testament is, is anticipating and expecting the coming of the Messiah in Jesus. And so we're going through this Advent and every day doing a different reading that, that builds on the story. So you have Adam and Eve, and then you have Noah, and then you have Abram, and it's going to keep going. And what we're going to do is we're going to uh, support that by having sermons in this Advent season um, fr- that line up with those readings, okay? Which means we've got some really random sermons coming up. Like sermons that I, I wouldn't have normally thought of, oh, this is a great Advent sermon, right? But they all point us forward with the expectation and the hope that Jesus was going to come. Because even as there were promises made to Old Testament figures, right, like Abram and Moses and Noah and Adam and Eve, and promises were made to them that those promises would be fulfilled, they never saw them fully fulfilled. They saw them fulfilled in part. They had faith and believed that they would be fulfilled, but they never got to see the reality of them fulfilled. And so that's what we're seeing as we go through. So let's now turn to Genesis chapter 15. This is where we're going to be this morning with this story of anticipation of Jesus. Genesis 15 verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Now, God has already called Abram He said, I want you to come out of the land of your forefathers, and I want you to come to this new land, the land of Canaan, that I'm going to give to you and to your descendants. And I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And Abram went, great, that sounds great. Because I'm getting a little bit advanced in years, and uh, I don't have any kids yet, but I think that sounds great that I get this new land, that you're going to be with me and with me and my descendants. And then he comes back to him after these things. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, "'Fear not, Abram, for I am your shield, and your reward shall be very great.'" Now, this is a pretty common thing. When God shows up, the first thing that he says is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And oftentimes, it's because of the power and glory and majesty of God that when he shows up, there is fear and trembling on behalf of the people that see him, right? Whether it is him or one of his messengers, one of his angels that come and and, uh, bring the message of the Lord, the, the... first encouragement is don't be afraid. But I think that with Abram, as he is experiencing the presence of God, it's not so much that he's afraid of the presence of God, that, but that God might not fulfill his promise. Because he said that he's going to make him a great nation, except there's one thing lacking, and that is any descendants, right? There are no children for Abram and Sarah. None. And so as the Lord comes and says, I am your shield and your reward will be very great, he's sort of building this anticipation, Abram, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to protect you and you're going to have a great reward. When when I was a kid, my mom whether it was Christmas time or my birthday, I always knew when she had bought my Christmas present. I always knew when she had bought my Christmas present because she would tell me, Travis, I got your present. And you're really going to like it. And I'd go, can I open it? Nope, you're going to have to wait. You're gonna to have to wait for Christmas. You're gonna to have to wait for your birthday, but I got you your present and you are really going to like it. And I feel like that's what's happening here. It's God is coming to Abram and he's going, Oh, Abram, I have got a present for you and you are really going to like it. You're really going to like it. But have you ever had somebody that made promises to you and the promises were slow in being fulfilled? where they came to you and they said, oh, I promise I'm gonna do this thing for you and it's gonna be wonderful. And they keep coming and they keep telling you how wonderful it's going to be when they do the thing that they have promised you, but it keeps not yet happening. Some of the time, like when it's with my mom, she would tell me, you're really going to like it and I would know I was really going to like it and I would know there really would be a present and I knew when that present would be revealed to me. I knew that on Christmas morning, I would be able to open it and I would know what that present was and I knew I was going to like it because mom, right? But sometimes somebody's promising you something and you don't have a December 25th that you're waiting for. They've promised you something, but they haven't yet fulfilled it. I've been one of those delayed promisers in the past. I've given my wife gifts where I've said, this is what I'm going to do for you. For your birthday, this was an infamous one in my family. For your birthday, I'm going to build you a barn door to separate one room from the other in our house. And so for her birthday, that happened two years later. Wow. That wasn't the good kind of wow, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) It was coming. I knew I was going to do it. I kept promising her that it was going to happen. And she got tired of me promising that it was going to happen. And I fear that Abraham, Abram here, was having that same kind of frustration with God. God, you keep telling me that it's going to happen, and I'm not seeing it. In order for me to have many descendants, I would have to have at least one kid. And you know what I don't have? One kid. There are no kids here. And so he complains to God, or at least asks the question, Verse 2, but Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? You said that my reward would be very great. What is it that you're going to give me? Because I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Nice guy, I'm sure. But not the one I want inheriting all of my stuff. I thought I was going to have my own kid. And Abram said in verse 3, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Abram, that's not the promise. Eliezer of Damascus is not the promise. You're going to have a son, your very own son. That's the promise. That's the reward. That's what you're going to get. You can just imagine Abram going, really? 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 And he brought him outside and he said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then he said, so shall your offspring be. Now, we had an interesting conversation about this at the sermon meeting on Thursday. The pastors of New Life Church get together because we're all preaching on the same text and we were talking about this and uh, one of the other pastors was saying, do you know that later this day the sun goes down and God makes his covenant with Abram and it gets really dark? And I said, Okay. Do you realize that if the sun is going to go down later and it's going to get really dark later, that that means it's probably daytime right now? I've never thought about that before. I've always thought about Abram getting brought outside by God to look up at night and see all of the stars. I'd never thought about the fact that maybe God brought Abram outside in the daytime to look up into the sky and not see a single star because it's too bright. Abram, can you count the stars? Nope. I don't see any stars. Does Abram know that there are stars up there? Sure. He's seen the stars before. He's seen lots and lots of stars before. But right now, as God brings him outside and he looks up, he is unable to count the stars because it's too bright and he can't see any of them. But he knows that they're there. And God is talking to Abram, and he's going, I know, Abram, that you can't yet see the fulfillment of this promise, but you're going to have many descendants. And that night, he was going to make a covenant with Abram, and the sun would go down, and it would get really dark, and he would make his covenant with Abram, and Abram would look up, and would see all of the stars in the Canaan wilderness, and would again not be able to count them because there were so many to try and count. Hundreds of stars. Thousands of stars. Hundreds of thousands of stars. Millions of stars. Hundreds of millions of stars. So many stars, we cannot count how many stars there are. We just keep finding more stars. There are so many. And this is the promise that God is giving to Abram. He's saying, Abram, I am going to fulfill my promise. And even if you can't yet count a single star, even if you can't yet have a single offspring, yet, they are going to be greater in number than the number of the stars in the sky. Now, I know that there are people in this room that have been waiting for promises You've been waiting for promises from other people, and you've been waiting for promises from God, and you've been waiting for those things to be fulfilled, and you're waiting, and you're trying to be patient, right? You're trying to be patient like a kid is trying to be patient for December 25th to come. Sometimes you're trying to be patient for the pain to be relieved, And you know that there will be relief. There will be reprieve. It will be coming, but it hasn't come yet. Sometimes you're waiting with great anticipation and expectation in hope. And sometimes you're just hanging on. And I want you to know... That when we think back on the heroes of the faith, you know, the great people who were so close to God, like Abram, talking with God, wrestling with God, experiencing His favor and His presence, that they also were waiting. They also were waiting. You see, as we are God's people, we are living in a place of waiting. That's what faith is. It's a place of waiting. Hope and waiting. And he, that is Abram, believed the Lord. And he, that is God, counted it to him, Abram, as righteousness. Abram said, I can't see it, God. I can't see it. I know that you have promised me many offspring and I don't even have one yet. I know you have promised me a great reward. I know you have promised me that Eliezer will not be my heir. And I believe you, even though I don't see it yet. I believe you. I believe that you are God. I believe that you are capable of doing all things. I believe that you created the heavens and the earth. I believe that you love me. I believe that you have given me a promise and I believe that you will fulfill it, but God, I haven't seen it yet. I'm just waiting in faith for you to do it. I'm just waiting in faith for you to do it. And God counts it to him as righteousness and says, And that is all that I want. I have a great gift for you, Abram, and you're really going to like it. I just need you to believe. I just want you to believe. This is what our faith is. In Romans chapter 4, talks about the promise to Abraham and to his offspring. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And then in verse 16 of Romans chapter 4, it says, that is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to those who adhere to the law, but also to those the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver considering the promises of God, but he grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, are not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. We are being asked, just like Abram, to have the same kind of faith, the same kind of faith, the same kind of expectant hope that will be counted to us as righteousness. Not, not performance, right? God never said, Abraham, what I need for you to do is just do all of these things, if, and as soon as you check off all the boxes, then I will give you a son, Nothing was contingent on Abraham. Nothing. He didn't have to do anything. He didn't earn the favor of God. He didn't ask for the favor of God. God said, Abraham, I love you. I'm going to make a promise with you. I'm going to make you into a great people. I'm going to give you a son. Abraham didn't ask for that. It was just promised to him. Abraham wouldn't have dared to ask for it. It's too late for him to have a son. He's too old. He's too old and Sarah's too old. The days of having children, the potential for having children is over for them. And yet, God promises it and says, this is what's going to happen. And His promise to us is the same. Your righteousness is not dependent on your performance, but only on His love and His grace. And so when we believe that, then we are given His righteousness and we are adopted into Abram's family. We become one of those stars in the heavens. Isn't that amazing? You see, Abram would have a son. He'd name him Isaac. He'd have one son. And that son would have Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And Jacob would have 12 sons. And those 12 sons would have many. So that the offspring of Abram grew and grew and grew and grew. And now we are counted among those who are promised as descendants of His because we are adopted into the family of Abram. Even if we aren't direct descendants, we are adopted in by faith in the promise, the same promise, the promise that he was going to uh, fulfill to Abram in Isaac, sure. But then not only in Isaac, but in all of his descendants culminating in the arrival of Jesus. The one for, through whom all could be adopted into that promise. And so now I know. Now we go, okay. Okay if I'm being adopted into God's family, and if that means that I am being given the righteousness of Jesus so that I'm not going to be walking in my sin anymore, then I have an expectation that the promises of God will be fulfilled for me, right? And some of you are waiting on the promises of God to be fulfilled for you, and you're saying, I know that sickness is not in line with the character of God. It doesn't fit in the perfect creation that God has made. And we're waiting for the sickness to be removed. We, some of you have um, reconciliation issues, right? You, you're having uh, issues with some person in your family, maybe, or a friend. And you're going, how come there is this brokenness in relationship? You're waiting for that to be resolved. Some of you are waiting for for children, perhaps. Some of you are waiting for children to repent and follow the Lord. Some of you are waiting for all kinds of different things that are associated with the brokenness of this world, and some of you are waiting, like me, for the time when I won't be slogging through life and tripping and stumbling in sin anymore because I will be able to walk fresh in righteousness. And I'm waiting for that. It's a promise of God that I will be able to walk in righteousness. And yet I see in my own life how that's not working itself out as well as I would like on a day-to-day basis. And so I say, Lord, I, I think there's something wrong here. I'm sure the problem is with me. But I have this sin that I'm dealing with. And I was supposed to be set free from sin. And I believe, Lord, that it is not dependent on my work because I can try really hard and I cannot set myself free from this sin. But you have promised that through faith. So do I not have enough faith, Lord? Am I not being patient enough? When will it come? And so maybe you, like me, are waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises, and we're going, God, you seem to be taking a really long time. You promised me a barn door for my birthday. I did think it was the birthday that was coming up. You said I was really going to like it. When is it going to when am i going to really like it and we think sometimes that god is really slow to fulfill his promises but in second peter chapter 3 we see this in verse 7 by the same word the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But not, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. And I go, yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. The new heavens and the new earth in which there is no pain, where there is no sin, where there is no division where there is perfection and joy and hope. That is what I am waiting for. Could we do that yet, God? Because I'm dealing with all this stuff in the interim, all of the things that are hurtful and painful and difficult while we're waiting. I'm dealing with this. And so, God, when are the answers going to come? You keep saying how great it's going to be. Could it be today? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And what we don't always put together is that the sin that is causing the pain and difficulties and tensions in our life, when that is judged and dealt with, so that we no longer have those pains and brokenness in our life, it will be judged and destroyed And so God is not slow in fulfilling his promises because he is wanting to keep some good thing from you. Like he's going, you know what? You're really going to like it, but you can't have it yet. Oh, you're really going to like it, but you can't have it yet because he's just one of those mean taunting kinds of gods that's holding it back and going, oh, it would be really great if you could have this now, but I'm not going to give it to you yet. Instead, what he's doing is he's going, do you recognize that when I give you this, at the same time, I am going to judge the heavens and the earth. When I wipe away every tear from every eye, it is going to come through the fire of judgment. And so I am waiting and delaying on answering all of those promises so that as many as possible might come to faith and might not be judged. He's waiting for that, and so we are living. This is the the expectation that we should have as Christians. What it means to be followers of God is to be people who are waiting. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're doing. In the Old Testament, they were waiting for the Messiah to come. Adam and Eve were waiting for the descendant of theirs who would come and make all things right. Noah was waiting for God to renew the heavens and the earth and remake them perfectly. Abram and Sarah were waiting for the descendant who would come, the Messiah who would come. And generation after generation after generation were waiting for the coming of Jesus. And now we get to look back and go, he came. He came. The promised one came. And he fulfilled the promises because God would not stay distant. He is God Emmanuel. He is God with us. And so he took the form of man. He became a man. So that he could empathize with us and take our sins upon himself and die on the cross and take the judgment that we deserved. And we go, yes! But that doesn't mean that everything is done. It doesn't mean that everything has been perfected yet. Because Jesus has said, I'm coming again. Maybe some of those Old Testament believers had it in their minds that Jesus was going to come one time and it was gonna be all done then, but instead Jesus is coming twice. Once to fulfill the promise of hope, and then again to judge the heavens and the earth and make all things new. And so we with Abram are waiting We with Noah are waiting for that time to come. And this is what it says in Hebrews 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. And in verse 13 of Hebrews 11, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. I don't know what brokenness you're dealing with in your life that you're waiting for God to restore. But I know that he's coming again. And I want to encourage you that just as Abram couldn't see the fulfillment until many years later in the birth of Isaac, we may not see the fulfillment of God's promises Today, or even soon. But just as God did fulfill the promise to Abram and did send Jesus to come, he will come again. And the brokenness that is in your life will be resolved, it will be restored.